Good morning. I guess it's morning for us, Draft Crafters. It's Dan. It's JP. The sun is shining, which is funny after a day of hilariously crazy rainstorms coming through Michigan for us. But, uh, buddy, I thought you were supposed to be in the UP by now. Yeah, well, Airbnb reservation got canceled for plumbing issues, so we had to uh, call an audible. Aha. Way to get that football parlance in there. Well, hey, we are... I'm going to try to get some sort of joke about stealing a sign in there, but it didn't, (laughs) didn't come to me quick enough. No, you're good. But hey, we can continue with that whole run. And usually for our, uh, our I guess, NFL show, for the most part, when we're not doing a mock draft, we're talking about team needs. We're talking about players that are standing out. We're talking about rookies that are making things happen. We're going to do a tiny bit of an audible, I suppose. At least, you know, switch see? the formation around or something. And uh, and talk about who we see as, because we're roughly halfway through the season. Every team has played eight or nine games, which is, again, now that we play 17 games is basically the halfway point. Who has been more or less the team's rookie MVP, rookie of the year for each team in the NFL? And uh, it was it was pretty obvious with some teams, and it was a struggle for others, sir. Yeah, and it, it struggled in different ways. It was like sometimes mm-hmm. there were just no options, and sometimes there were several options. So Exactly. Yeah, Why don't we start off with a, Cincinnati? A yeah, so start us off with the Bengals, and, uh, and we'll roll in from there. So I'm not going to lie. I felt like <laughs> there was an obvious choice here, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a great choice. Does that make any sense? That's no. Well, again, sometimes you've got the best of a of a rough situation. And again, Cincinnati being what you might consider one of the better teams potentially, if they can start to play like it, uh, maybe well, you're not going to have as many rookies play. So fair. It's kind of sad though, because if you think about it, we neither of us were, like hated this draft class for them. Right. You know, like. I wasn't huge on Miles Murphy, but whatever, you know. Then they got uh, Eusebius, and and they got Jones, and, and yeah, they had Turner, and they had Battle. I liked all yeah. these guys, but the best none of them have contributed a ton or done very well. But if you're making me choose one, <laughs> not because they're you know go blue, but I think it's DJ Turner. Okay, um, he has not created any turnovers. He's got a f- couple pass deflections in there. He, for a corner, especially a rookie corner, he's got you know respectable tackles, but most of all, he's getting the most playing time, mm-hmm. and he's consistently getting in there, and he's not doing awful. He right. looks solid-ish for a rookie when he's in right. there, but I mean, like I say, there's not a lot to go off from here. It's mm-hmm. the best of a rough situation, but um, I feel like he's doing the best. He's he started four games or something like that, and I think he's played in every one of them. Sure. I mean, you always want a rookie to come in and, you know, light things up, but even just showing that they belong at this level is is a start, you know? Cleveland, the other team in Ohio, um, dude, it was kind of the same. I actually went through and got more or less pretty much pulled a, a offensive and a defensive rookie of the year, if I could, for teams. Oh, and then I'm you, gonna, like, you called an audible and didn't even fill me yeah, in. Huh? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take one of each, but then I'm actually going to pick one, right? Here's the thing, though. On Cleveland, there was no one on the defense. There's just nobody, and I mean, I don't mean that in a rude way towards it's because their defense uh, the Browns, is stacked and nobody. Needs their defense, to go in. exactly. Yeah, Siaki Ika hasn't really had to play. I mean, uh, Khalif Elise. It's just there's nobody. Uh, Mohamed Diabati's probably gotten the most snaps, and he's like a third string linebacker, you know. And so it's just like it just hasn't happened. You look on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, again, DTR did not have one it's a good start in his one game, so it's not going to be him. Luke Whipler has been a backup. Cedric Tillman hasn't done a ton. So it's Dewan Jones. He has been playing the whole season. 
he hasn't been playing poorly. He hasn't been playing great. He's technically a little bit just a hair below average when you look at the PFF grades, but he's still playing. And if you can get a fourth-round guy, who we thought was probably going to go earlier than that, even though he's just a gigantically massive human, uh, if you can get a fourth-round guy as one of your bookends on your offensive line, and the other one they got in the fourth round you know, back in 21, James Hudson III, just gives you some perspective on where this team's going from for their talent, and maybe he can stick, maybe he can continue to improve. So he's, by default, and by the fact that Cleveland's awkwardly a better team that doesn't need rookies, but at the same time, isn't a better. It's a weird situation in Cleveland right now. But Dewan Jones gets the nod for the the rookie of the year so far. All right. Well, I'm gonna go to the Steelers here. Naturally, that's our general mm-hmm. flow. Um, there are a couple options you could have gone with here. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And again, I was a fan of this draft class too, with the exception of. Uh, Darnell Washington, the extension of the old line there at tight end. But sure. I, don't, I don't even know if he's touched the field, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, they doubled down on, on some corners with Darius Rush and Joey Porter, and they got my guy Keanu Benton. I was a big fan of Brojo. Mm-hmm. Um, but in reality, I wouldn't have been upset if anybody went with Porter here. And maybe he's – I don't know. You could you could do your PFF thing. Maybe he grades out better. But <laughs> I, you know me. I'm going Keanu Benton. Mm-hmm. Um, I will admit that I talked about him a ton in the f- first quarter of the season, I feel like, like the first like three or four games, mm-hmm. because he he was doing fantastic for a rookie, especially where he was drafted. Uh, but, you know, I was a huge fan of him going into this. He, he's got a sack. He's got a forced fumble. He's got 16 tackles. Um, he, he's getting mm-hmm. respectable playing time. He's got four QB hits. Um this is a really, really good defensive tackle that continuously moved up my draft board like all the, throughout the entire draft process, and I thought he was one of the better second-round picks. And he's been playing well. I'm going to go with him. And I can tell you, PFF agrees with you. He's got a 75.2, and Joey Porter's a 71.3. not a cool world we're living in. <laughs> but again, they both are pretty close to each other when it comes to that. I think Porter certainly has had some more splashy type plays when when you just with what you see out in coverage. But I agree with you. I think Keanu Benton has been the better player so far this season. But I don't think the Steelers team or fans are complaining about the fact they've got two guys that are showing up on the defense for them. Baltimore Ravens, the other team in the North. I mean, it's Trenton Simpson, I guess, would be the one on defense because he's played 15 snaps, and that gives him an edge over everyone else who's a rookie on their defense. So, again, another one of those situations where not much to go on the defense. On the offense, it's your boy Zay. Zay's been the guy so far for them Knew when it comes to – Yeah, and, again, it's not it's not a hard one. Again, we talk about how some teams were challenging, some teams mm-hmm. weren't. First off, they've only got you know Keaton Mitchell and uh, the guy whose name I will butcher every time I try it, uh, the backup guard. So it's not like they had a whole lot of offensive rookies. Uh, but again, the best one has been Zay Flowers. He has not necessarily been transcendent, but he has been very solid. He's given them a different dimension on a team that's finally deciding you know, with new coordinator, new setup, that they can throw the ball and actually throw the ball with some level of proficiency. Uh, but again, he's been in most of the the season like he's been the pretty much, I think he's probably the highest uh snapped wide receiver on this team so that's pretty good from a rookie when he's coming in he's playing he well and be. he's playing exactly and he's he's not their number one in in the traditional sense but he's their number one right now you know all right I'm gonna go to the Oilers here sorry I'm just gonna keep that going just, <laughs> looks like I'm protesting 
I Tennessee Oilers, let's go. Yep. Uh, you know, even though there's only been two games in, I really feel like based on how much it's just energized the fan base and it seems like the team, even <laughs> though the second game wasn't nearly as good as the first game, mm-hmm. you could probably make a case for Will Levis. Sure. Unfortunately, I am not. <laughs> I'm going to go with another one of my guys. Dude, it's Tajay Spears. Uh, I think <laughs> Skaronsky's struggled a bit. Uh, yeah. Duncan, I don't even know if he's touched the, the field. You know what I mean? None of these defensive guys have barely touched the field. I mean, it's it's only one of those three, in my opinion. Sure. Skaronsky struggled. Levis has only played in two games. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's Spears. Yeah. And, and, and it's not – and I don't think it's entirely Spears by just a default. I mean, he's actually played for the amount of time he's been on the field. He's been very efficient. He's averaging 5.5 yards a carry. We talk about how in college we like six, but 5.5 right. in the NFL. If he averaged that for his whole career, that would be like top three or four all time. It's exactly. not going to happen. Just saying. <laughs> for what he's played, his whole 39 attempts, you know, he's still rushed for over 200 yards. You know, he's mm-hmm. found the end zone. He's doing it at a good clip. He's got 22 catches through the through the air. Right. I mean, he's he when he's on the field, he's doing what he needs to do, and he's doing it well. So yeah, yeah. And again, they're using the him crown to him. Right. They're using him more in that role, uh, like the crown analogy with King Henry still on the team, right? But uh, hey, Spears, I was wondering if anyways, I pick. I didn't want to yeah. oversell it. Seems I already did the audible joke. Very nice. Uh, but yeah, Spears. That's the thing. Like he is the third highest rated player on the team right now, according to PFF. So for I don't know what's going on with you today? And for everybody on the entire team for Tennessee. Oh, I was gonna say, what two rookies got a higher grade than him? I was like, there's no, no, PFF. No. Nope, it's uh, Derrick Henry and DeAndre Hopkins are the only two guys that have graded out higher than him so far. Uh, and again, he's oh, had okay. almost as many snaps as Derrick Henry this season, which is, I think, actually good for both players. So, definitely positive. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts, I would say, I'm not going to call them the Baltimore Colts. I'm not trying to do that. But uh, they, it's kind of a split on offense because you got Anthony Richardson that everyone was so stoked about coming in. And he looked at different times like he was the part of a starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, and then he got hurt. And now he's going to be out for the rest of the year. So, I get it. They want to take their time on him and not bring him back too early. But that means that opens the door for Blake Freeland potentially to be, you know, the offensive MVP, if you will. This is another team that doesn't have a ton of players um, that you've got in there. Josh Downs is another candidate. That's the thing. So there's a couple guys that could go any way as the rest of the season goes. I think Downs is probably the guy at this point just because he's played more than either Freeland or Richardson, and he has Isn't played Downs well. down right now, though? But he's down, exactly. So it's like, <laughs> not really Sorry. sure what's happening. Yeah, very good. Not sure what's happening with these guys offensively. So defensively, it's Jalen Jones. He's gotten the most snaps. He's gotten the opportunities. Isaiah Landon, uh, the battery double-A out of war, I haven't done much yet. And so it's kind of Jalen Jones by default. He's been an all right cover corner. Not bad, especially for a guy you got in the seventh round. You're sticking out there, and he's holding his own in the NFL. Jalen Jones kind of gets the the nod right now for where Indianapolis is at. So, Dan, see, you know, you, we talked about how there was teams where you didn't feel like there was a great, great choice. Mm-hmm. I did put Anton Harrison here for the Jaguars only because I feel like there is quite literally no other option. Aha. Uh-huh. So... Go ahead and PFF me on Anton Harrison. I just want to see what they have to say. I don't think he's been <laughs> awful, but mm-hmm. um, 
he, he, I feel like when I've watched the games, he's shown a ton of athleticism, which is kind of crazy because he's just a right tackle, and I think he's he's probably above average for athleticism at a right tackle. So it could mm-hmm. be a good thing, but I also don't know if he can slide to the left. But I, you know, everybody kind of picks on their O line, but as love it or not, like I feel like the O line's actually done pretty darn good there, and I wonder how much of a contribution he's making. Well, Anton Harrison, or like I said, because there's no stats on linemen. Right. I look at him, and for a rookie, I think he's doing okay. But mm-hmm. there's nobody else who could challenge for this. And I mean, it's kind of funny we say that because we didn't like the Jaguars draft class. You know, right. we there were you ripping on the athleticism of Antonio Johnson. I liked Yasir Abdullah, but we knew he was going to be a project. Same thing right. with Brennan Strange. We like him, but we knew he was going to be a project. Tank Bigsby, almost the same thing. Elijah Cooks mm-hmm. wasn't a huge fan, but whatever. Um, right. Yeah, there was a lot of question marks there for them. So uh, the, I guess the guy, the, the the guy you're talking about, Anton Harrison, is at a 56.9, which means he's slightly below average. But when you look at their offensive line, he's ahead of Ben Barch and Luke Fortner and Tyler Shatley, some of their guards and centers. So he's technically their lowest rated tackle, but uh, you seem to like their offensive line all right. But Walker Little is the only guy that's posting above a 70 on that offensive line. No. So. I didn't say I like it. I said that I've been I've been picking on it, but surprisingly, okay. you can't argue a ton of it. Because here's what I'm saying: you can't argue a ton of why it's been bad. They're like they only lost two games. They're sitting right. in like the a driver's seat for their division and not too far off from the entire AFC, right? Also, right. also ETN's having like a career year, right? Like, so I mean, how? Even if they grade out low, how much can you really pick on them? Because the team is finding tons of success. And, right. and you know, there's there's no way for me a team can be playing as well as they're playing and the O line is just bad. Like that's Well the O line isn't bad. It's a it's above average in spots and they definitely need to figure out about their center situation because Luke Fortner has had a bit of a stinker of a year. But otherwise, you know, this is a team that has at least an average offensive line, and with the skill position guys they've got, average is probably going to get it done for them. Yeah, and I'm just, I'm just saying, there's no other pick. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on to a team where there's a bunch of picks, and it's the Houston Texans, and there's a bunch of picks because they had a bunch of picks, and they took you know the top two players in the draft, so you feel like you should be in good shape, right? Two of the top three players in the draft, so you feel like they should be in good shape, and that's C.J. Stroud offensively. Although Tank Dell would be in the conversation on a lot of other teams. Because he has played well for them. He's given them, uh, basically they traded out Brandon Cooks for Tank Dell and it's worked out pretty well. Uh, and then on the defense, Will Anderson Jr. So take your pick between those two. Obviously, you know, both of us like defense better and uh, Will Anderson better. But C.J. Stroud, C.J. Stroud is going to win the off- the rookie of the year this year. He's yeah, definitely he going to win the offensive rookie of the year if they you did can. one on both sides. Yeah, you can't you argue get with it. it. I mean, no, he's they, played. They definitely, better. they definitely have two winners. This is where you just yeah. flat out say there's two winners. Stroud well, and, and that's and why and they're huge. Right, and that's why they're sitting at four and four, and are moving forward. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I think some of it's probably D'Amico Ryan's. I don't know that uh, any coach would necessarily. I mean, I, again, you can always say coaching is a part of it. Maybe it is Ryan's, uh, but I think any coach would have hopefully benefited at least a few wins from having you know C.J. Stroud the way he's been playing at quarterback versus you know no offense to uh, Davis Mills and the other guys they've tried to trot out there, uh, but yeah, Stroud has got this team in position to where they're at least. Not joking about contending for a playoff spot. I still don't think they'll make it. I think they're gonna, you know, they're gonna stumble to like a probably a six and uh, or seven and ten type six and eleven season. But considering coming in, people were thinking, is this team gonna win more than three games again? It's a very positive trend line for the Houston Texans, and CJ Stroud's a big part of it. 
Might he be the first good Buckeye quarterback? No, I was cracking a joke like two weeks ago, and it was funny. It was just with guys at work. But then just this week, I saw an article that was titled the exact same thing I was cracking a joke about. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, I was only half serious. But uh, the joke I was cracking was, is C.J. Stroud already the most successful Ohio State NFL quarterback of all time? <laughs> and I then I the- saw an article saying, C.J. Stroud's already the greatest Buckeye quarterback ever. I was like, okay, different go. words, almost exactly what mm-hmm. I was posing, but I was half serious and half joking, but right. okay, I maybe think, there's some legs to this theory. Uh, to this point, I'm not going to give him that because Justin Fields did have you know the year last year running the ball, but by the end of this season, yes, he will be. <laughs> if he keeps this up for the yeah, second half of the year, just, he will it's be. It's absurd to say, but okay. It's hilarious to say. All right. I'm going to go, go you know, to my second favorite squad here. Hey. I, mean, I can't find a way what to crack the joke in this. You know how I just cracked the joke about the Oilers. I got to figure out a way about start cracking how they need to get the old uh, logo back. Well, get you say that. Elvis. The old logo, know, they, they didn't really so. win. They had it's one okay. Super Bowl the, run. Logo, the logo is way better. So. It is way better. I agree with you. I know. It'd be hard to go away from it when they were such a damn dynasty. Uh, but anyhow, back to the, you know what's important here <laughs> i you know it's, i don't care if the guy only played in four games i'm still going gonzo uh this <laughs> team is terrible uh gonzo's four game start like people were talking about four games in is a decent enough sample size they're like hey he could be one of the front runners for defensive player of the year defensive rookie right. of the year not player of the year sorry um he was playing fantastic i think even pff graded him fantastic but more importantly like i mean he he had like a pass deflection in like every single game, right? Mm-hmm. He 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 caused a turnover there. I forget which game it was. I think he picked off Tua. But the most impressive thing to me were the last two games that he had played in. He was ta- he he was tackling like he was a safety and getting in there and seeing the willingness of a cornerback tackle like that just gets me excited, man. Like so, I you know maybe I'm a little biased because he was my CB one going into this draft. <laughs> I was just heartbroken when the guy went down, but he was playing phenomenal. And to me, he's the only building block on there. I will give a tiny shout-out to City Sal, so however you say his name. Yep. Um, I feel like he's you know he's starting at right guard, and from where mm-hmm. he was drafted, what else can you ask for? You know what I mean? Right. But I'm st- I don't care. I'm still giving the nod to Gonzo because the four-game sample size he was in, he was looking great. No love for Demario Douglas. No. 24 catches from a sixth-round draft pick? Well, sure. Awesome. But, dude, it's Gonzo. I know it is, but I'm just saying. It's like you got to acknowledge that they may have found, once again, a later-round wide receiver because they can't ever draft him early. It's the only thing they can do. Yeah, exactly. Buffalo Bills, um, you know, looking at their team and where their roster was at, it's such a stacked team, so the question was who's going to be able to nudge their way through and uh, just when my fantasy team was starting to be concerned about my uh, tight end situation Dalton Kincaid became the only healthy you know top flight tight end they've got and so uh, Osiris Torrance has been all right he's struggled more than I think both of us expected he would transitioning to the NFL because we just figured he's going to be a guard you could plug and play for the rest of your life but uh, he's still still 
working through some of the growing pains there, but Dalton Kincaid has popped the last couple of weeks and really shown the receiving threat that they were hoping he would be. I still think the Bills need to get themselves another wide receiver, obviously, but Kincaid now has really shown up, and when Dalton Knox is healthy as well, now you're talking about a team that might have two solid receiving tight ends and a good wide receiver in Stephon Diggs. You give them one more weapon out there, and there will be no excuses for Josh Allen or anybody else. And when you look at the, the defensive side of the ball, I mean, I guess Dorian Williams is the guy only by default. He needs to tackle better. He's been doing all right in coverage, but dude needs to tackle better. But it's Dalton Kincaid right now for the Bills. He has been, he's not the best tight end. We'll talk about him later from the rookie class, but he's been solid. And that's a step up from where he was to begin the season. So as he continues through the rest of the year, Kincaid should be the Bills, you know, rookie of the year, so to speak, by the end of the year. Well, Dan, South Beach time. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins had like four picks, two of which are on the practice squad, and one has played like three plays. So that's the guy. No, it's the fourth guy, the one I didn't mention, that's hurt. I'm going to keep the injury theme. It's Devin Achan. Right. It's definitely Achan. Literally. Literally, their draft class was Cam Smith. He's played in mm-hmm. like one game, a few plays. I think Higgins and Hayes are both on the practice squad. So... Devin A-Chain by default, but I will say this. The dude was absolutely on fire while he was in there. He's like the offensive version of Christian Gonzalez. So right. I, I'm not saying that's a yeah, he can come back. bad pick by default, but I'm just saying he wins, and there also mm-hmm. is no option. I need him to come back, though. You do for your fantasy squad. He was on <laughs> fire. Just he was a TD at, machine. Dude was shredding things. And again, it's a small sample size, so maybe he just got lucky a few times in there. But I feel like I want to see how he can do uh, for the rest of the season. Hopefully he gets a chance to come back and show off. New York Jets, um, well, Joe Tittman on the offensive side of the ball is the guy. He's playing out of position. He's definitely a center who's being kind of made to play guard right now. I do feel like he's still going to get moved over at some point. Uh, and they actually have him listed right now as as the, the starting center because I'm guessing there was an injury there that I forgot to notice. Uh, but he's been the guy. Xavier Gibson has been okay. Uh, but that's been pretty much it on the offensive side of the ball. He hasn't been amazing at guard, but he's been solid. And again, like I said, now he's going to get the chance to start at his natural position. We'll get the chance to see him. And of course, he was your favorite center coming out last year, not just because of the, the mm-hmm. amazing mullet that he had. Uh, but he he projects, at least in our minds, to have a solid career. So good start for him on that side. And on the other side of the ball, Will McDonald, the fourth, is the, the guy who's gotten the most playing time. He's been all right. Again, same thing. He hasn't been transcendent. He's gotten a few pressures in there. He's gotten one sack, so that's nice. Uh, but yeah, Joe Tittman is the guy for the New York Jets. Your boy has been the best rookie on that team. And this is a team that's still somehow over 500. That Tittman, I'm telling you, by the end of the year, he might might be one of the, he might be the best interior old lineman. Who knows? No, there's a good chance uh, of that. West side. Well, let's, go, let's go for one that was rather tough for me. And I say it's tough for me because, dude, mm-hmm. I... I was very hard on the Raiders draft class, okay? <laughs> they yep. didn't do a lot of anything that I liked. I, I said their best pick was Michael Mayer. Wasn't right. a huge fan of it, mm-hmm. considering what I thought they needed. And, well, I think their best pick is the best pick here. Um, he didn't do anything in the first quarter of the season, but I will say right. in the second quarter of the season, He's actually starting to turn it on a little bit. I mean, he's not blowing the doors off from anybody, but he's doing okay. I think you actually just picked him up in fantasy, didn't you? I did. He's been sitting on my bench, but yeah, I grabbed him because I needed a. So he's he's starting starting to get more and more involved. So we'll see, but you can't fully blame him because there's some ugly things going on there in that organization. Well, I don't know. 
did I send you the picture, uh, the screenshot of? I might not have done that. There's a there's a gif of the uh, Raiders locker room after last week's win, and they looked like they were celebrating the Super Bowl. Like guys were smoking cigars, and it's just like it's pretty clear that the culture has already shifted with Josh McDaniels out. Now the question is, will it go yeah. too far the other way, and they just end up in a, as an undisciplined pile of craziness because you know there's there's they went from the super strict you know d- domineering leadership to you know not, but I still think. Antonio Pierce is an intense enough guy to where he won't lose the locker room as far as the guys just getting out of control. But they they are a much happier bunch than they were a week ago. Yeah, I was going to say, I really feel like they're celebrating the win, but uh, most of that, 75% of that celebration was we won without you, Josh. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Right. So, but I, I don't know. There's not a great answer here. I yeah, mean, Mayor's only got right, like though. 13 grabs, well. but... It's Mayor for now. Wait till Aiden O'Connell goes off with that little kitty stash he's got. Don't you think it's interesting that we're saying it's it's Michael Mayer now and wait till kitty stash goes off, but <laughs> nobody's talking about Tyree Wilson? Well, we I guess we could talk about Tyree Wilson. What do you, what do you want to talk about Tyree Wilson? Mm, when's he going to start <laughs> you know, living up to all this crazy hype of a top mm-hmm. five? player remember when people are talking about him being the best player in this whole draft there, were a there lot was a of point felt that way yeah remember the, the whole i remember my consistency of saying i don't even think this is a first round grade player sure yeah yeah people were just uh, in, intoxicated by the potential athleticism and when you look wow. at pff this oh yeah I'd, I'd see not even your, your dogs don't even like tyree wilson nope uh we're looking at the the pff scores by the way uh he is the second lowest rated player on the team Behind Tyree Curtis is? Bolton, yeah, he is nice. behind Curtis Bolton, who's played five snaps. So he is the lowest-rated player that's played any meaningful snaps in this team. He's averaging a forty-one right now. His only grade that's above average is actually his tackling. Everything else is just—it's because he doesn't have any moves. Hopefully, whoever they get in can teach him some moves. But the dude was just—I'm faster than you in college, and now he's like, "Oh crap, I'm not faster than you anymore." So he could figure it out, but he's got a long yeah. way to go. You may as well and just not even try to edit any of this out. See this stupid thing? Oh, yeah, your little Kong toy? Yeah, he keeps it's... throwing it at me. So you're going to hear this. <laughs> See, this is what we appreciate. I mean, on occasion we have edited the show a little bit when you know, you got to take the dogs out or whatever. Yeah, we're not going to sit here for three minutes on, on no sound. But when, when your pups are being crazy, and in this case your 80-pound husky has decided to interject himself into the show, I think we need to talk about it. But... I'm going to make you happy because now I'm going to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. And there's really, on the defense, There's uh, Felix has been okay. Chamari Connor has been okay. But there's one man to talk about for a rookie of the year on this Kansas City Chiefs. Would you like to say his name? Raji Rice. Raji Rice! Yeah. Uh, he has been, again, How does that not... make you feel, Dan? Well, I mean, I still think I have a shot uh, at this bet that we made. But I'm feeling less and less Whoa. good about it as every day goes on. Again, your pup obviously likes Raji, too. But he's been solid across the board. He is the fourth highest-rated player on their team. when it comes, Again, PFF, he is the highest-rated wide receiver. And again, that's just... We're just looking at ratings there, okay? I'm not talking about that. We're talking about a team that needed another receiving option, and he has stepped up. He has the second 
most receptions on the team next to Travis Kelsey. This is exactly what this team needed because, uh, you know, Mikael Hardman, who's just come over, might be a little bit of a help for him. But Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who was the guy that they <coughs> kind of thought was going to fill that one role, just hasn't really been doing much. Sky Moore has been doing a little bit gadgety stuff here and there, but Rashi Rice has been exactly who you said he was going to be. And he hasn't been crazy transcendent with any of this. He's not had more than five catches in a game, but he's got four touchdowns. He's been consistently producing every week, and that's exactly what you want out of a rookie wide receiver. My guy. Can't <laughs> wait to win that bet. Yeah, well, again, he's, he's only got you know 30-some-odd catches right now, so we'll see how the rest of the season goes for him. All right. Well, let's go. What are you going to do at Denver? Rockies. Well, you know, there's actually two okay options here. Okay. Um. Drew Sanders, I just want to start with him. How mm-hmm. bad has he been? He's barely played, <laughs> and when he's played, he's looked bad. This was a guy I like, so, you know, I mean. Yeah, I, and I, he could just be lost right now, man. pointing out a lot of my success stories here. I got to talk about one of my absolute stinker failures here. Um, I, John, I John him, greatest? Uh, is it just bad? I bet you, I it's don't know 100, the right? number. Yeah, I don't know where their numbers break off, but I know from the little bit I've played on PFF, they have like that green, yellow, orange, red right. system. I'm going to say yeah. it's somewhere in the red. Yeah, he's a 29.8, which is in the red. 29. Okay. That's, yeah. That should be like black. Yeah, I mean, it, it, should, it should be like maybe maybe take a seat in the practice squad for a bit, but it's clear that yeah. he's still trying to figure out the game at this level. And then as far as my guy, Riley Moss, and your guy, J.L. Skinner, I don't know that either one of them have hardly touched the field, so they're not options. No. Um, Force for Sith, I mean, maybe a little bit, but long story short, I want to give the nod here to McLaughlin just because he was a UDFA. Marvin Mims is probably <laughs> a re- very respectable answer as well. Sure. But, I, dude, Lachlan was an UDFA, and he came in there and played very well mm-hmm. in the ground game and the passing game, just waiting to ease Williams back in. Now I can see by the end of the year, Mims will probably maybe be the guy, just because now that Williams is starting to feel more confident on that knee, right. that he, he's going to start you know turning it up more, and you'll see less of McLaughlin, but I don't care, mm-hmm. man. This We're at the halfway mark, and I want to give the UDFA some love. So what does PFF say about that? that? Who wins well, between I, so, those two? Well, here's the thing. Again, you got to remember, McLaughlin's only had 97 snaps. Mims has only had 143. Mims is a 70.1. McLaughlin is an 83.8. So oh! McLaughlin is the highest rated player on this Denver offense right now that's taken meaningful snaps. The entire offense? The entire offense, he has the highest grade right now. Wow. Uh, the I'm only grade where he's yeah, the only grade where he's not good is pass blocking. No, which I'm fair. okay. PFF's on fire. <laughs> go, go PFF. Yes. Yeah. Again, the only the only number that's not good for him is pass blocking, which it shouldn't be completely surprising because he's not exactly a large human. So, uh, and again, you got positives there. Here's the thing about the Los Angeles Chargers. We both thought that Q was going to be the best player out of this class, right? When you when you look at the at how they were going to produce, we were both fans of him, and he's been okay. He's still their offensive MVP, but the defensive MVP is my boy Tooley. I was, I was talking say, about Tooley, and you were too. Don't be wrong. It's like it's both. Yeah, of us. <laughs> I was. I was gonna say like we're like, dude, if Williams goes down, Quentin Johnson's gonna be a beast. But as soon as they right. finish their draft, it's like, oh my god, I love Tooley and Dion Henley. Right, exactly. And Henley's been Henley's been good, but Tooley has been 
Very Tule, good. He has been. Tuli was the guy's cracking jokes about where I would rather have him than Tyree Wilson. Well, yeah, there's a reason the for that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's exactly. And that's the thing. Uh, so he is, right now, some people are touting him. He won't win. I don't think he's going to win Defensive Rookie of the Year, but he has been in that conversation at least, which is great to see from you know, a second-round draft pick to begin with. I mean, he's been very consistent for them. He's got 29 pressures. He's got seven sacks already. I mean, they've kind of come in bunches, so he's only he's had like multiple three multiple sack games, and he hasn't done anything in the other you know five. But still, this is a player who clearly is not intimidated by the NFL. At 6'3", he's maybe a little bit shorter than you like your edge guys to be a little bit. But again, this is a dude we thought might have been like 290 at one point, right? He's 266. He's playing fast. Mm -hmm. He's playing well. And he's doing exactly what they want him to do. He's not been transcendent, but he has been well above average. And again, he's probably one of the top, I would say, 10 rookies right now at this point in the season in the NFL. And that's been awesome to see. And I was a fan of him. He gets to stay in L.A. and continue to tear stuff up. So well done, Tuli. Well done. Time for us to take yeah, a little I bit think, of a beer break, though, buddy. I think I think we I think we both, but I'm pretty sure I had him as a top twenty overall player in this entire draft on my big board. And we were both really high on him, especially uh, in at his position group. But put let's put it this way: I don't <laughs> think there's more than two or three guys this year that I'd put above him with where they're at right now as far as pass rushers go. Maybe oh, this season. Oh yeah, no. Like Will Anderson <laughs> might be like the only one. Well, I'm talking about the guys coming out this year in the draft. Oh. I mean, no. maybe Turner? Maybe? No. It's the thing. Know. It's like it's I like Tuli might have been might have been the first uh, edge rusher taken yeah. coming out this year. We'll see. I don't know. All right, time to talk about some beer though. And you and I have both uh, kind of been through a lot of the stuff that we've tried recently. Uh, but we've still got a few things cuz we can always talk about a couple of you and I both had one uh, we shared, not shared. We had separate glasses we both had a hop slam for the first time this past week on tap hop slam you know exactly usually i'm buying them in the bottles and the cans and whatnot but right yeah it's so i only wanted to highlight that because maybe that's part of the reason here but i I don't know what your (laughs) takeaway was but my takeaway was this i always enjoy hop slam but i've always kind of i always had this theme with bell's brewery right in what yeah. it is, is I feel like from year to year, it's almost it's, it, part of me lo- appreciates the hell out of it and part mm-hmm. of me hates it. But I truly feel like, you know, like my passion, like with bourbon and how there's different batches from year to year, even a few yeah. different batches within a year. And there's differences in each one. And it's fun to compare them. Right. I feel like Bell's does that with <laughs> literally every beer they have, with the exception of Too Hearted. And thankfully, they don't mess with that one because that's a fantastic, fantastic IPA. But I feel like they have annual batches and there's subtle differences between each mm-hmm. one. And this, I believe that. This year of Hop Slam might be my favorite since one of the very first batches when it first came out back when we were in college. Because I remember, I remember being at the the Bird Bar and Grill and sipping on these on tap, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, these are dangerous! They're so good." There's this heavy, dark, citrusy like IPA. It just didn't make mm-hmm. any sense looking at it. I feel like they got <laughs> back to that. Don't it's mm-hmm. not as citrusy as it was, but like I don't know. I guess like the current one, the last year and the few years prior was a bit malty and kind of like a almost like a Scotch ale, almost like I don't mm-hmm. know. It had like 
It was like an IPA, slightly citrusy version of like a like a dirty bastard by like Founders in a way in my mind. Okay. What it was an IPSA. <laughs> yeah. Now all of a sudden it's back to this almost like citrusy vibe. I don't know. I was mm-hmm. a huge fan. What do you think? No, I definitely enjoyed it. We we also made the right choice only having one of them because otherwise we would not have you know made it home in one piece. But uh, it was it was it was it was dangerously easy to drink for the type of beer that it was. Like it wasn't. It's not like you know one of those crushable sippers, but it's also like. I'm hitting this faster than maybe I thought I would, and it's delightful, and I'm not upset about this, and oh my goodness, I should be careful. <laughs> it's basically the vibe that I picked up from that one. Anything else you wanted to talk about from the beer world? I, You know, I think I'm good, other than I think we should, uh, you mentioned this off the air, we need to get back to some of our beer themes and branch out on these cities again. I miss that. Well, and we did, we did do pretty much just about every week last week during the football season. We had tried to do a beer from at least the states of each of uh, the teams in a matchup. And so game, uh, we were yeah. poking through that. Dude, we were poking through that, and I, I didn't take me long because, I mean, I saw the first one. Like, tonight is Chicago, Carolina. We could easily do that with the Chicago beers. It's a little harder to get Carolina stuff up here. But the second one on the list, the which I think is appropriate that we should choose this one because it's being played over in Frankfurt where they love their beer in Germany, and it's Indianapolis against New England. It's easy for us to find Indiana beer down here. There's three Floyds or some other ones. Uh, and there's tons of breweries in the Northeast that get over this way, so it seems like it'll be an easy enough two, uh, catch for us to find. Two things. One, uh-huh. I love it because I can drown my New England Patriots sorrows <laughs> in beer. Uh, yeah, two, mm-hmm. I'm pretty confident I could find like a three Floyds, like Indiana German-inspired beer. Oh, yeah, you probably could. There might still be a little coal shot there for you or something like that, definitely. I've got one more that I want to talk about real quick that I think I talked about last week that I had uh, right around the Halloween time. I had the Autumnal Harvester. It was a sour-fruited beer from Abomination Brewing Company in Connecticut. So that gets my uh, northeast one out of the way right now. I gotta try another one, but it was it was an interesting beer. It it poured out, and it looked like you remember that PB and J squeeze that. that um, Prairie uh, did that the, looked like it yeah. was great jelly. I actually loved that was right. somehow ridiculously, it's like a smoothie. Yeah, this one was similar in its color and consistency, not in the taste. The taste did not have the same, obviously, peanut butter vibes. It wasn't what they were going for, but it had the same color and consistency. So it felt almost like a smoothie as well. And I was like, I think I'm I'm almost down with the smoothie beers. I don't know. Not to say. I, well, but I yeah, can I'm tell you about, what, I don't know if it's a smoothie beer vibe or not, but I, that... Uh, Prairie, that, that's the best sour I've ever had in my life. Sure. Yeah, and again, this one wasn't quite to that level. I gave it a three. Everybody else gave it a four. Uh, but it had brambleberry and marmalade and stuff like that in it. So that's kind of a fun you know, twist on the fall beers. You don't usually see the sours so much, but that one worked out pretty well. I know this isn't what your take is on, but, man, you got me on this prairie beer. I can just remember. Uh-oh. like, Well, I can't remember. <laughs> I guess I'm asking you. Because mm-hmm. every time I'm drinking a sour beer, I feel like in my mind I have this weird face. It's like I'm getting ready to taste it and like it's just <laughs> ready for like gross. Sure. And then just the way my face must have changed when that when I was like, huh. <laughs> like if that had been a this fun is one acceptable. to have like on air. Yeah, like, on video, yeah, it would have been brilliant. Yeah, so we'll have to see. We'll have to get you another one to see at some point to see if you can hang with it. All right, time to jump into the NFC, though. Let's rip through these guys and let's start out west. You know, I don't necessarily want to start out west. <laughs> well, no, I'm being you honest with good you. Stuff. Uh, I know he he struggled this past week, but like, is the is it honestly? I'm asking you because I didn't sure. even write a name down here. Is Jake Moody go blue the best rookie for the Niners? Um, well, if he is, that's not a great sign for San Francisco because there's jokes about how uh, 
Darion Wale, I think, uh, kicked a field goal for the uh, Texans, and all of a sudden he's already better than Jake Moody. So, yeah, it's not, it's not been a good class for them, dude. I mean, I will say this. Jair Brown has been much better than either one of us thought he was going to true. be, but I don't know if I still feel great about picking him here. Also true. Like, I just don't <laughs> know that there's a good answer or anyone that's worth saying here. Yeah, and if again, I had don't... to. I feel like it's Moody. Did sure, you and I usually give I usually give a lot of credit to uh, Lynch and what he has done trying to build that team, but this does seem like. At this point, maybe, and again, maybe it's because you know they had a good season, whatever. Uh, that there's a well, they got an a awesome roster, bloomer. so right, they got an awesome roster. So you know, drafting a rookie that's going to crack the lineup, especially maybe we should just say Jair Brown for as good as their defense is. The fact that he's getting in there and playing as much as we bash the guy, I mean, that is kind of impressive, at least to me. He's just doing way better than I thought he would. Right. So uh, Moody is is literally a spot on. Uh, He's a 64 for his field goals. So, and again, they obviously don't have a whole lot of, of stats for, for kickers. I mean, you're basically sitting at average all the way across. Yeah, you make field it or goals, you don't. Exactly. His field goals have been slightly above average. Uh, that whole The game of Cleveland, obviously, is the one that uh, people are going to point out was, was not a good thing, and I, he struggled there. But otherwise, he has been above average the rest of the season. So, yeah, I mean. Well, I'm going to go ahead and do this guys. audible. I'm going to do this audible again, and I'm going to call the audible, and I'm going to go ahead and give it to Jair Brown. The reason being, he's been way better than I thought he was going to be, but also, like, Jake Moody, like, Jair Brown's been way better than we thought he was going to be, and they got him at a value in a way in the third round. Jake Moody has maybe been what we thought he was going to be, but they paid a premium in the third Mm -hmm. round for him. These are both third round picks, so yeah. I can also tell you, and and again, the hope is that he'll he'll do uh, more going forward, but Jair Brown... Uh, has played 27 snaps. Yeah, well, okay. But that's my point. It just we, gives you we, perspective yeah. on where that team's at yeah. with their draft class. And it gives so. you perspective on why I don't know which one to pick. So it exactly. is what it is. <laughs> well, the Arizona Cardinals, uh, they didn't have a whole lot to to discuss when it comes to who I would be looking for on that roster on both offense and defense. I mean, uh, defense, Garrett Williams, B.J. Jolari have both played at a decent level. Uh, I think Williams probably gets a little bit of a nod there just because he's been a, a little bit better overall, but he hasn't been great. But he is now a starting corner for them, so we get the chance to see how he handles that role going forward. And on offense, I think both of us expected it would be Paris Johnson, but he has been he's been below average. No way around it. He's got a 50 right now on PFF. He's been starting, so that gives him a lot of uh, cash because he's been on the field, but he has not been good, and we thought he would be probably better than he is. And so this is the opportunity for me to say I might have been wrong about Michael Wilson. Now, he's hurt right now, so we'll see you know, how that plays out well, for him. That would but make he has been, wrong. Yeah, he's been better. He's not been transcendent. He hasn't been like over-the-top amazing, but he has been better than I think either of us expected he would be because we joked mm-hmm. about it. People are saying, oh, well, this is a great wide receiver who doesn't have anybody around him or anybody to throw to him in college. And at the same time, people were saying Tanner McKee's a great quarterback, doesn't have anybody to throw to. It's like, well, which is it? And it's it looks like it's and Michael also, Wilson was actually decent. he could never stay decent. on the field. Exactly. It, it looks like it's Michael Wilson was actually decent. And that, that is always the question. He has 25 catches this year. How many more will he get? Because how many more games will he play? <laughs> and that's, that's the big question mark for him. When he has played, he's been good if not great he had the one game against san francisco we had seven catches and two touchdowns so that's his big game big standout game 
But if he stays healthy, it looks like they've got at least a solid uh, option. Maybe not a one option, but definitely a solid option in the receiving class. So that's probably the MVP right now for uh, the rookies for the Arizona Cardinals. All right, I'm going to need you to go ahead and go to PFF for me, Dan. All righty. <clears throat> Clear the throat for this one. Yeah, this, this, is a, this is a take, ladies and gentlemen. You know how much of a fan I am of this Rams draft class. Right. Okay, Puka. and I truly impressed. Yes, Puka probably is the winner. Okay, let's. Well, let, look, I there's just like no, there's no way I'm getting out of this without talking about you know Kobe Turner or Byron Young. Sure, there's just there's just no way I'm not doing that. And and Steve Avila, mm-hmm. who's a huge fan of Steve Avila, like they, I don't know, they do really, mm-hmm. they draft good. I'm impressed. I'll give Puka the crown. I mean, sure. he, he, you can't not like he's broke records. Like, right. For rookie again, wide took, receivers for the amount took of took advantage of the opportunity. And, right. Yeah. And stepped right in without a miss. I mean, he was Cooper mm-hmm. Cup without Cooper Cup. Right. So he was, yeah. it was an even swap. It was crazy. But I just need to know how they grade these guys out. I'm giving Puka the crown, but I mean, Byron mm-hmm. Young, I mean, this is a guy that I was, I've talked about a ton. He's got two forced fumbles, five sacks, 39 tackles, 14 QB. The good Byron hits. Young. Yeah. The, the, you know, the Tennessee one. Um, you've got Kobe Turner, who's got a couple sacks from the D tackle position. He's got 34 tackles from the D tackle position. Um, I, I like these guys. Avila, I mean, he he's starting and he was a right. value pick. I mean, like I I like all these players. Well, Avila is wins. the lowest. I'm just curious guy. what I no. would. I hold. Let me play this. I would have put Avila last. I would have put mm-hmm. Puka one, and then I put Young, and then Turner. Well, here's what I can tell you. you almost got that right. Avila is last. He's right around average. Young and Turner, though. Young is a 69-1. Turner is a 70.4. So they're basically, you're splitting hairs between those two. Uh, There's no doubt. And then uh, on the other side, Puka is sitting there at an 82.6. So, yeah. Yeah, Puka wins. Puka is slightly ahead of Cooper Cup right now. Like, he is the highest rated player that's not Stafford or, I guess, Kevin Dotson. So he's the third highest rated player on the team, and he's four points ahead of Cooper right now. That's fun. So yeah, yeah, I mean, Puka look, the Rams, the Rams have just, got to be ecstatic with where they're at right now with this draft class, especially because this is uh, a team that looked like a dumpster fire last year with all the injuries they had, and now they look like they could be, you know, a year away from being back in in good position. Outside a uh, uh, CJ Stroud, does Puka like almost get the crown for best offensive rookie period? He'd be right there if it wasn't for Stroud having the season that he's having. Let's be honest here. When when, when I look at no, the other I guys... Said, Stroud that, gets it, but I'm right. saying outside of Stroud, it's a Puka. Yeah, Puka's, Puka's definitely uh, the non-quarterback you know, rookie of the year that we talk about. But he's probably not going to win it uh, rookie of the year because of C.J. Stroud. But oh well. It is what it is. The Seattle Seahawks have the opposite problem that the Rams do in that they have a bunch of guys that have been good but not great or decent but not good. I don't know, because I looked through the offensive side of the ball, Jake Bobo, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, Zach Charbonnet. All of them have been all right. None of them have been amazing. I know people, I mean, Ninja has put up the counting stats, but he hasn't been good from an analytics standpoint. Uh, Charbonnet has been, you know, better uh, from the analytics. Jake Bobo has been, you know, just they love him when it comes to PFF. He's the highest rated offensive player on this team. Um, and then on the other side of things, though, it, it's pretty simple, at least for me overall, because, again, I'm looking at offense and defense, but I'm picking defense. It's Spoon. Devin Witherspoon has been the best rookie on this team. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you look at just numbers, the way he's played, the fact that he has gone through this season so far and has only picked up three penalties 
is pretty solid considering we expect him to have almost three flags a game. <laughs> he's he's done a nice job of managing to avoid. I'm not going to say he's changed his style of play. He's managed to avoid getting called for it, uh, which is great. He's there. It's a 56.7 is the passer rating against him, which this is out of 150. So he's doing really well from that standpoint. They found out that they can put him at the corner or the slot and be in great shape any way you look at it. He isn't even allowing 50% of the passes his way to get caught. Spoon's been great. Uh, I still think we both like Gonzo better over the long term, but Gonzo hasn't played since the fourth game. So Spoon gets the nod there. He is the best rookie on the Seattle team. Well, heading out east here to the Cowboys, Dan, this is my first one where there officially is no answer. (laughs) I had those in the beginning. Go for it. There isn't one. If you're going to make me pick one, I'm just Oof. going to say the. I'm just going to say Hunter Le- Lepke, the, the yeah, fullback, to say. just because he's a fullback. <laughs> right. There, there isn't one. Yeah. I don't. I genuinely, you cannot answer this. I'm sorry. So I will spend this little bit of a time, I guess, <laughs> picking on the amazing blue guy that I knew wasn't going to be good because he looked awful, and ask you to PFF him. He, like Mozzie Smith, I just something was always off about this guy, even mm. when he was at Michigan. Dude's athletic, but that's about it. Yeah, I mean, like, he he was the guy that everybody thought was going to be great in here. I mean, I thought thought Deuce Vaughn was going to get involved on third downs and do some electric stuff, and maybe he'll get to that point. But, you know, he's showing a flash here and there, but that's Mm -hmm. about it. I mean, at the end of the day, none of these rookies are contributing at all. So, I don't know. I don't know, but the, the biggest disappointment's got to be Mozzie Smith because he, he had a window to get in there and get some playing time as a rotational mm-hmm. interior D lineman guy and make some noise, and I just don't. That's not happening. So The positive thing for Mozzie is that he's played in every game, so that's nice. The negative sure. is that he hasn't played well in just about any of those games. Yep. <laughs> he played. What's he's got grade? three games. Is he in the red? Uh, he, is, he is in the orange, but he's in the orange-red. He's, he's a 41, which is not good mm. at all. Uh, and again, he's had a few games where he's been above average, but he's, I mean, he's averaging between, you know, in the teens on his snaps and he's just not making an impact. And again, part of that, you know, could be that he's trying to figure things out. They're, they're being patient with him, whatever, but it's pretty obvious he has been a net negative on this team right now when it comes to contributing. Yeah. And that's yeah. not to say he won't turn it around, but this is exactly what we thought. He is an athletic guy who doesn't know the game well enough to contribute at this level yet. Could he get there? Sure. Is he there right now? No. <laughs> while, while you're on there, I'm willing to bet that mm-hmm. the Hunter Lepke is <laughs> a, a better shade, a better color than, than Mozzie. Well, Hunter Lepke is definitely, he is a 60.8, which puts him 0.8 above average. Groovy. But he's yellow. Nice. So I got it which, right. And he's ahead of Deuce Vaughn as well, because Deuce Vaughn's been sitting down around 43 as well. So, you know. It's been a rough start to the year for the Cowboys rookies. There's no doubt about that. Washington Commanders have had kind of an up-and-down start for their rookie class as well. And offensively, I mean, here's the thing. They really don't have any, one, that I've played. And so you kind of got to give the nod to Chris Rodriguez Jr., who hasn't played a ton of snaps, had like a flash there for a minute where people thought he was going to start taking over the backfield or whatever. But he's their third running back. And he's certainly contributing a little bit, but he's just not been doing a ton. Defensive side of the ball is where they've had more plays, if you will, more snaps. Go to guys like uh, Jartavius Martin and Emmanuel Forbes Jr. And Forbes has probably been better than I you know, wanted to give him credit for just because I thought the guy was going to get blown over by a gust of wind. Uh, but he hasn't been great. He had He's starting to turn the corner. Here's what it was. Uh, he had 
a lot of bad games in a row, sprinkled in with two okay ones, and then he had a great game against New England. I don't know if something clicked or if he just got lucky or because he was playing against New England and they were picking on him and he didn't have to worry about a good wide receiver because you know, I don't think we're convinced they have any there. Uh, they might have a decent rookie, but that's the thing. It's like So maybe he had one good game against a team that didn't have a whole lot of passing, or maybe things have clicked with him. He's turned the corner, and he's going to be the best player. But, but Chartavis Martin has only played 32 snaps, but in those snaps, he's been very good. He has a 90, which, again, obviously is an incredibly small sample size and not something I'm going to be saying, oh, well, then you need to look at this guy. But he finally played more than 10 snaps in this last game against New England. And so it could be that he's starting to get more opportunities as well. And he's a guy that we both liked coming out between him and, uh, and Sidney Brown. They're probably the two best safeties in the country, just about like tandem-wise. Uh, and so he's been trending in the right direction. I'm going to give the nod to him right now, just because he's been playing better than Emmanuel Forbes. But this is another rookie class that has not looked all that impressive for Washington. Dan, I'm going to keep the streak going. If there, there's no good fix here, and it's a little <laughs> depressing. More okay. so for you than me. I mean, uh, we obviously know that the Giants are your squad, but I wasn't even going to go there. You know, the thing is, say, is, every time I, w- I, I think we're just going to go and talk about the Giants normally, and you can't see me right now, but I've, I've got my head in my hands and my eyes closed because all I can do is sigh about your ridiculous obsession with me and the Giants. Continue. Well, Dan, I, I wasn't even going to really truly crack the joke about how you secretly mm-hmm. love the Giants. What it was mm-hmm. is you love Jalen Hyatt. You love I, I, John love Michael Smith, as did, as did I. Did I. Like uh, yeah, well, neither one of us were high on Deontay Banks, but they got some pretty high re- grades from some people about their draft class, and I was a fan sure. of John Michael Schmitz Jr., right. Outside that of that, I wasn't a fan of anything they did. But I'm just saying, you like their draft class way more than I did, which yeah. is why I was saying. Not because you like the team, but I get it. You do. Uh, but I don't have an answer here. Hyatt's got like 11 grabs on the whole year and, I don't know, like 200 yards and half that came mm-hmm. off from two big catches. Schmitz Which is what they were expecting. This whole old line has struggled. So. Yes. Can't give it to him. Banks has looked terrible when I've watched him. I don't know right. what – he's got to be in the red on PFF. He looks <laughs> awful. Um, th- this, this for the teams that I cover, has to be the most – Okay, he's on his way. Uh, right. This has to be the most disappointing draft class, I think, based on some of the mm-hmm. grades that people were giving him. I don't know if that's true sure. or not. I, just, I don't have an answer. I'm not going to give a name here. You know what? I will. I'm still just going to say John Michael Schmitz, Jr., because I don't think it can be the rookie's fault that this O-line's that bad when you've got right. first-round picks and Andrew Thomas, who he's done okay, I'll give him that, mm-hmm. but Evan Neal just struggling like crazy. Yep. Like, it, it can't all be him. I mean, I, I feel like he's he's taking a hit from others struggling tremendously around him, and it's yeah. just making him struggle. So I, it's well, not it's all because, his fault. He's definitely not playing good, but... Right. Yeah. It's because Bryce Ford Wheaton got hurt. <laughs> No, whatever. Uh, look, all I know whatever, is whatever the, excuse me give. I don't know. The who door is open, though. The door is open for Tommy DeVito to be their offensive there MVP and for the freshman or for the rookies. Let's see what happens, dude. He is, and this is something that we that I just saw today. He is the tenth rookie starting quarterback this season, the most since like 1950. It has been a weird year for quarterbacks in the NFL. There's no doubt about that. 
One team that doesn't have to worry about their quarterback situation is Philadelphia Eagles, so no worry about rookies jumping in there, thank goodness, because we've already talked about their rookie and how neither of us were that high on him as a quarterback. And nothing cracks me up more than a team like the Eagles, who is so focused on Jalen Hurts and his mobility, having a guy like Tanner McKee that they drafted who just seems like the old-school statue quarterback. I'm not saying he's not going to be good at some point, but he just feels like a backup the whole way through. That being said, there's really no offensive player that we can talk about here. I mean, Tyler Steen technically because he's played a few snaps. But no, there's nobody on offense that's worth talking about when it comes to the rookies and the impact that they've made so far because this team is stacked on offense, and I'm worried about that. That being said, on defense, dude, Jalen Carter has been solid. Mm-hmm. This guy is, I mean, and again, he's had 250 snaps, so he's had enough to where people can tell that he's. they know what he's, they, he's doing. He's got it on 90 from PFF. He has 29 total pressures. He's got five sacks. This is a guy that we questioned not his physical ability, but his motor, his commitment, his desire, that sort of thing. And I don't know if it's because he's hanging out with a bunch of his old college buddies uh, playing in Philadelphia with Georgia North or whatever, but this guy has shown up. And maybe, again, we always talk about it's like maybe guys don't try as hard their senior year because they're worried about getting hurt, whatever, going to the NFL or their last year, not necessarily senior year. But Jalen Carter has been incredibly solid for this team. Uh, he has the inside track right now to winning Defensive Rookie of the Year. I'm not sure that he will because, again, Tooley's there, there's Spoon, there's a couple options. But he's been a revelation for this defensive line that needed another person to create something because they've got the guys on the edge, but the interior, not the Fletcher Cox, isn't still solid. But he's getting older. And so they needed somebody else to jump in and make a difference, and it's been Jalen Carter. He's been doing great. All right, well, let's go ahead and just... Get into one of my other favorite teams here. Tampa ah. Bay Buccaneers, man. Um, this one's a sad one for me because I actually liked their draft class quite a bit. And I think mm-hmm. you did too. Maybe not as much as me, but we both really like Elijah Cansey. He yep. has not consistently been on the field. Like Cody nope. Mock, he has not played that great either. Nope. Um, <laughs> I've seen some flashes. Like I've seen some some eye test stuff like from Trey Palmer, but he really hasn't done anything yet. Um, right. So, I mean, I guess where I'm going, at the end of the day, I'm going to give this to Yaya Diaby, who's not even a consistent you starter. You love Yaya. But it's because I love him, and he's gotten in there for a couple sacks. I mean, I see sure. the potential in the project. I mean, you know, if mm-hmm. they, I, I feel pretty good that they're going to move on from Shaq Barrett sometime sooner than later. So, I mean, he's going to slide into that role. So, if he just continues to learn and – Develop. I mean, and I have no idea what the right answer is here, but no, I think I'm you made the right call. Looking at their team, I mean, and again, I'm looking at just the numbers and also just thinking about who's been out there and done stuff. Yeah, he is. Yeah, Diaby, I think, is the highest rated player that they've got right now, but that's he's also sitting, uh, by the way, at uh, a it's not good 53. He's got a 53. Kalashi right. Kansi's got a 52. Yeah. So it's like things like they're what colors that give me what colors that that give me? Or, they're a little orangey. A little bit, a little bit yellowish, orangey. Oh, so, yeah, a little not, yellow in there. Okay. Well, right. there's mostly orange, mostly orange, light orange. Hey, there's a little yellow in there. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It's like they, that's the Tampa Bay draft class is a project. And again, we think that there's yeah, a lot of potential with some of those guys. Answer. Yeah, it's not there right now. Atlanta Falcons on defense, not much of an answer. I did the NA, but I said maybe Zach Harrison, just because he's had a few snaps. Uh, but this is all about the offense. It's all about Bashan. And even though there have been questions about his usage the last couple weeks and whether or not they're not giving him the ball enough or putting him in the right situations or however have you, when you look at this rookie class, Clark Phillips hasn't even set foot on the field yet. 
He does not have an I mean, maybe a special teams potentially, but he hasn't had like an actual defensive snap yet. And then Matthew Bergeron has been a struggle bus at guard as he makes the transition. So Bijan almost wins this by default to begin with, but he's also been good. He's not been it's it's funny people put him as he was going to walk in and all of a sudden be you know one of the top five running backs in the NFL. He's not that, but he's been very good. He's put up a lot of numbers. He's put up numbers like they wanted him to, you know, in the receiving game. Uh, maybe not quite as I mean, he got 28 catches, so he's probably about what you were hoping for out of uh, out of a running back. I mean, and running the ball, he's been very good. Again, he hasn't been transcendently amazing, but he's got 517 yards. That's pretty darn solid for a rookie. So he's another guy that if uh, the the rookie of the year voting wasn't a quarterback base in this case, look, let's be honest, it will be with C.J. Stroud. He's mm-hmm. in the back end of that conversation. Uh, so again, I think that this is a guy who's come in and played very well. He hasn't played maybe the level that fantasy football guys were hoping he would, uh, but he's been very good and he will continue to probably get better as the years go on. All right, Carolina Panthers. Um, man, my AFC teams had much better answers than my <laughs> NFC teams. I was noticing had. that. Um, obviously, obviously, the heartbreaker here to me is, is Bryce Young, and sure, you can go you can go ahead and pull his PFF up and make sure I'm not being too hard yeah, on him. I don't, him, but he I don't think you want to. He hasn't looked good. There's not a great answer here, but I'm going to just go with it mainly just because I want to talk about him. I'm going to go with, with with Jamie Robinson here. And okay. The reason being, I know he's not a full-time starter. He's been sprinkled in. I've watched a couple games, you know, that he's he's played in, and he's looked okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, th- the reason why I want to talk about him, though, is this was one of the most interesting takes for both of us through the whole offseason because it was like, man, we like this guy's tape a lot. Oh, my gosh, he's a terrible athlete, but his tape <laughs> is so good. Maybe mm-hmm. it was a fluke. No, nope. the whole time around he just looked like a terrible athlete. Then he goes to the combine. He didn't do well, and it's like, oh, my gosh, and he's way undersized compared to what he was listed. It was like a absolute roller coaster with this guy. He, he moved so <laughs> much in my cornerback rankings. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I didn't mind his tape, and I felt like recently – He's he's been getting in there um, and looking okayish, I guess. Sure. I don't know because he, well, he didn't do he didn't do much in the beginning of the year, but he's been right. getting in there lately and not done terrible. But no, he's sitting at a no sixty nine point eight. He's sitting at sixty nine point eight. Sixty nine point eight. Okay, he is so not. It's, a it's above average. Point eight. Well, he's also it, only had thirty eight snaps. So yeah, let's, yeah, you know, it's temper only, that and that's a little all recently. Bit. Right, exactly. A few weeks. So, yeah. yeah, and I can tell you Bryce Young's sitting at a 50, which is solidly orange. Mm. Uh, but there's somebody else, and I don't want mean to break your heart here, that's had a worse number that's sitting in the red at 27.7. That's got to be Zavala. He struggled, yeah, and now he hasn't even played in the last, uh, this whole second quarter of the year. Well, because he struggled so bad. I mean, okay. they, they named, they, yeah, they made him a, no, a day one starter. No, it's because he left the field in an ambulance. Right. He said, well, yeah, but, said, but they named him a day one starter, but he struggled the whole way through. He was, it looked like he was starting oh, yeah. to turn the corner before, you know, he got put in an ambulance. So the hope is that he comes back healthy and that he's going to, you know, bounce back from this injury and, and be a solid contributor for this offense. But it's, it's been a rough start for his career, obviously. Yeah. He, he was not doing well. New Orleans Saints. Well, I mean, there's the whole NFC South is still weird to me. Like, New Orleans might win the division at like eight and nine or something. It's just. It's crazy. Put us this way. Uh, defensively, 
I I wanted to give it to uh, you know Brian Brzee because obviously we, no, I was talking him up as as a solid player. He's been below average. He hasn't been a complete and gaping hole there, but he's been below average. So I guess I got to lean towards Jordan Howden, the fifth round guy that they got uh, playing safety. He's been above average, which I guess, you know, when you're talking about rookies, if a rookie is above average, I think you can, you can at least say, all right, we have something to work on here and work with here. Uh, He hasn't been, again, he has not been great, but he's been a contributor on this team. And that's, you know, about what you can look for. Uh, he's played 254 snaps. So he's been a solid contributor for this team. He's got a 68. So again, he's been good. And hopefully he's learned from uh, Teron Matthew, who's probably not going to be around forever, but they've, it's, it's been okay. Brian Brzee, just so you know, he's at a 52. So again, below average on him on the offensive side of the ball, dude, Kendra Miller, when he's been healthy, has been the only thing mm-hmm. that they've had offensively from the rookie class. And he's been good when he's been out there. He just hasn't been out there much. He only had 88 snaps. So I'm still going to give you know, the nod. It, it's almost nobody. If it has to be somebody, it's Jordan Howden. With Kendra Miller having an opportunity to take that over by the end of the season, if he can stay healthy. But I put in my notes like uh, for, for each spot, I've got Kendra Miller briefly because he hasn't played much, uh, not necessarily because he hasn't wanted to play. It's just kind of how it's going. So New Orleans, much like the rest of the season, has been kind of weird for them, so is the rookie class. Let's go to the north. All right, I'll start with Minnesota. Get your PFF ready. I got an exact <laughs> tie. I oh, have a okay. tie. All right. And it's not because you, you're betting me saying Jordan Addison wasn't going to be all that great. I uh-huh. just genuinely think it's tied and had – Ivan Pace Jr. not struggled the past couple games. I think I would have put, I would have been Pace won it, but Pace and Addison have mm-hmm. both impressed the hell out of me. So well, I, we're both I'm giant Pace one. fans. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah. obviously. And, so we'll, I'll, and being I'll an go undrafted ahead and... guy, that's why I exactly. want. I want to lean towards him, but dude, Addison's got over forty grabs, like seven right. touchdowns, and I don't know what's well, he got, again, like six hundred yards. Yeah, Addison has taken advantage of the opportunity presented him by having Jefferson out. Correct. I understand that, and so, but again, that's the thing. Is like you can say, "Oh, well, a guy's only got that because the other guy's not in." Yeah, and he still makes plays when he's been in the game. Same thing happened I mean, with Puka, and we praised him. So exactly, praise Addison too. Yeah, I I still lean Pace just because we both like Pace, whereas I'm the only one of us who likes Addison. I lean uh, Pace because he's a linebacker and he was undrafted. And he's undrafted, and I see the PCU. We were both just our guest was flabbered by him not being picked. Like I could not believe. Yeah. I realize he's undersized, but I could not believe didn't somebody I have didn't take him a late didn't round. Didn't I have him in my top six linebackers? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was just uh, outside of my top six. But again, that's the thing. He should have been even a back end five, six, seven round draft pick. So Minnesota has got to steal with him. And again, yes, he's undersized. Whatever, he's making plays. Uh, yeah, but again. Jordan Addison looks like he's going to be a great complimentary piece with him and Justin Jefferson. Whoever ends up playing quarterback there next year is going to be happy. Chicago Bears. Well, well, who, who did PFF say got the win, though? Did you see oh, that? Oh, okay. Sorry, I didn't check that. Let's see. Okay, so Addison's sitting at a 70.2, which is solid. It's wow, well above really average. Good. Yeah, Ivan Pace at a 75.7. Okay, so, so they, they gave it to Pace. Okay, but they're still, yeah. that's, they're still in the same ballpark. Well, they're both very good, and that's the thing. It's like it's it, The fact that you took one guy in the second round, though, and another guy was undrafted – we give the nod to the undrafted guys. Yep. The Chicago Bears could definitely use either or both of those players on their team this year because um, offensively, uh, 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 you know, it's basically Darnell Wright. That's it. That's uh, Tyler Scott has been there but hasn't done a ton. Tyson Bagent is the cool story. I get it, but he's struggled here and there. Uh, he's not necessarily 
the guy that's going to be leading this team going forward. He could be. I don't know. There's a world where uh, they keep Justin Fields, he gets hurt again, and then Bajan takes over. But I also, he's, look, dude's still getting his feet under him. I think he will have a long career in the NFL. I just don't know if it's going to be a starter. It'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Uh, Darnell Wright, though, has been the most consistent performer on this offense, even if he hasn't been great when you look at the the numbers and who's been, been where for them. Uh, he's still a little bit a little bit above average. I mean, he's sitting at about 64, which is good. He's a little bit ahead of Badgett, but he hasn't been great. Deontay Foreman um, isn't a rookie, so I don't know why I pulled his name out. Just kidding. Uh, but he's trying definitely to figure... far, far removed from a rookie. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, you I was. Were, I, you I, looked I, what at him it was instead was, of Roshan Johnson. Yeah, what, what it was is I saw I saw halfback and then looked and then started talking. I was like, no, wait, that's not at all. Roshan Johnson does have a slightly higher rating than Darnell Wright, but he's also only been on the field like a quarter of the amount of time. So I got to give it to Wright because he's consistently been in there and he's still playing above average. On the defensive side of the ball, it's been a whole bunch of shrugs. I mean, they got a bunch of backups. Tyreek Stevenson has been starting and not playing well. Noah Sewell has been amazing in like the 15 snaps that he's played, which is kind of funny to think about. That's fun. Um, but yeah, right. But Javon Dexter probably gets the nod there for the defensive side of the ball, but I got to give it to Darnell Wright. All right, let's go to the poops. Well, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna give it to Lucas Van Ness. He, he hasn't got a ton of mm-hmm. playing time to kind of ease him in, but when he does play, like he plays well. I would have loved for it to be Carl Brooks, but that just didn't happen right. for me. Right. But I know we're we're um, digging Carl. I don't know. There's there's no slam dunk answer here, but I, I definitely no. lean Van Ness for a guy that they're grooming to, you know, come in and probably play some sort of outside linebacker like role. Maybe take over for Preston Smith. I have no idea. Maybe mm-hmm. just rotate with Smith and Gary like all the time. I I don't know what the right. plan is. But it's clear well, they're can... easing him into it and when he's right. in He's impactful. Which is the the kind of irony because that's literally been his entire career so far. Yeah. Because he wasn't starting so, uh, Iowa. What's your answer? Is he your answer? Well, he was my defensive answer. My offensive answer was kind of split between Luke Musgrave, Jaden Reed, but none of these guys have been transcendent for them. None of these guys have separated no. themselves, so to speak. Uh, that being said, Van Ness does get the nod by PFF by like a point. He's like a point ahead of Jaden Reed. So we'll give but it to Lucas Van give me, Ness. Give me the color. Do they think he's been doing okay? He's he's sixty five, so he's he's above average. All three of these guys better are average. Would, that's average. better than I would have given him. Holy moly! Sure, well, there you go. I figured he'd but, be sitting in like the high fifties or something. I mean, he's I'll been be impactful. He, he hasn't really done anything. He's got like well, and a that's sack or something. He's he's got he's like not been a, a few negative. hurries. Right. He's right. not been a negative okay. when he's been out there, and that's a positive, right? So, Detroit Lions. You're not going to do the Bears I, first. Oh, you I did. did. The Bears. You talked we about literally Deontay already talked about rookie seventeen years ago. And you just tried to ignore that. All right. Yeah, Detroit yeah, Lions, there's there's a couple options here, man. I think defensively, it's it's got to be Brian Branch. You do all your taking. I'll, I'll hop okay, in cool. at the end. Well, I mean, Jack Campbell, they seem like they've found a fun spot for him as like a rush linebacker. Clearly that they want him to not be a middle a guy, that, but he's not way. ready for it. I, I think he's he, I think Jack Campbell is a fan of getting on the field, so I don't think he cares as much. I don't think that's the best usage nah, for yeah. him, but I think with where he's at right now, it is the best usage. It won't be going forward, but for this season, getting a guy who's athletic as he is on the field and just let him do something, it will at least get him used to the NFL. But Brian Branch has been the best defensive player of the rookie class for the Lions, I think, without a doubt. On the offensive side of the ball, you can make a case for Jameer Gibbs, but it's got to be Sam Laporta. I think Laporta gets it overall for me as well. I love Brian Branch, but Laporta is doing things that no tight end in the history of the NFL has done with 40 catches, 400 yards, four touchdowns in his first eight games. There you go. 
That's my take. You ready for my take? Mm hmm. Uh, I, I agree with everything you said. I also want to say that by the end of the year, I could see a window where Gibbs wins this sure. if he continues to get involved in the passing game. Mm -hmm. um, and I will agree with you and say that for 90% of the time that I was doing this take, I gave the nod to Laporta just because he's doing things mm -hmm. that, like you said, the rookie tight ends don't traditionally do. And he's mm -hmm. stayed on the field, if you will. So I wanted to give him the nod. And then... At the end of it, I flipped back to my bias and went with Brian Branch. At least you admit your bias. Only, you threw a spatula when Sam Laporta got drafted. Not because I didn't like him, no, because I, I didn't take Branch. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so the reason I went back to Branch, and tell me if this is fair or not, or if it's all biased. The reason I went it's back to Branch is, is, it's definitely not fair, it's all biased, um, <laughs> is because our defense was – absolutely terrible last year and i'm not saying it's Truth. all gotten better just because of branch but i'm just saying we weren't losing games because of our offense last year so while right. laporta has been an awesome addition and been fantastic if you're just talking about who's been the most impactful there was just a better window to make an impact on defense and offense that was going to help us win the games right so i'm super torn it's definitely more along the lines of a tie Mm -hmm. You know, saying it all uh, out loud again, I think just because Laporta stayed on the field, I might give him the nod. But, I mean, by the end of the year, I mean, I think you could look back on this and why do I feel like it's more likely that it would be Branch than Laporta out of those well, two? Do you wanna... If Branch can stay on the field, I don't I don't know. Like, it's tough. Should we let, he, should am we let am I way off decide? base on this? Should we let PFF decide? I don't care, but well, let me finish this though. Are you? Are okay. you? Am I way no, off I don't base think you're too on far this? Off base. Again, I, I still think there's a world where Jameer Gibbs overtakes both of them, but I think that uh, that Brian Branch has been everything we hoped he would be uh, for a guy that that's coming in and stepping into the role that he has. That kind of had to you know morph his role a little bit. He's been more like slot corner than safety. I think that we were thinking to begin with, but his his season has been solid. I mean, he's he shows that. For a guy who lacks maybe straight line speed, he has game speed. He, he knows where to be. Is he green? We've been happy. He's green. Is he green? He's green? He's green. Well, Laporta's probably green, too. Laporta's this one, I probably green. need the number. I probably need the numbers. On you this do. One. Laporta, 72. Brian Branch, 77. Solid. Hey! <laughs> uh, and both but, of them know, are ahead of Gibbs right now. No, but I switched my take back to Laporta, though. I got to currently give it to Laporta because he stayed on the field. Oh, no, I take it back. If Gibbs Brant is actually a Gibbs is a point ahead of uh, Laporta. Excuse me. Gibbs is a 73.6. All three of them are doing great is the point. Yeah, but I, right now, I, I'm still going. I got to go Laporta. The best ability is mm -hmm. availability. Sorry. So Truth. Got to give it to him. All right. So well, I, I, will so, I will disagree with PFF, even though, you know, I feel like I talk myself in and out of Brian Branch 18 <laughs> right. times on this. But I think if we team. look at overall, and here's a quick question to, to wrap up the, uh, the the take, the whole the whole episode. Looking at what we've talked about and the classes, is Detroit probably in the top three rookie classes right now so far? Like with the production they've gotten out of their guys? Uh, I well, think the, the Rams are right there. The answer is Detroit's yes, right but there. I was, I was going to bring up the Rams and, and even the Texans. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Because how, how do you right. how do you weigh this? Because the fact that CJ a quarterback is mm -hmm. going to give you a no matter what the rest of the draft looks like, but oh yeah, they have Will Anderson Jr. 
but right. the quarterback's always going to elevate you, right? And right. then I personally want to elevate the Rams just because they didn't have first or second round picks and still found impactful yep. players. Detroit, I don't want to knock them, but they've got four great players that were all in the first two rounds. Right. So I mean, it's but it's still hard to hit on picks. It really right. is. But they got three guys in the green, so I hear you. There's that's a that could be a whole nother show. Well, and it will be. When we get to the end of the season, it will be a whole nother show. But for right now, it just felt like throwing that out there to see where we're at. And I think we're we're on board with that, yeah. I guess I, I forget to give Houston credit for having, you know, two of the top three picks sometimes, right? But it worked out. It's worked out well for and them that's, because yeah, that's we've the seen like, teams if you not have two hit. of the top three, you're supposed to hit those. Right. But uh, you know? how are things going for uh, for uh, a guy over there in Jacksonville that was ahead of Agent Hutchinson? You know? I mean, it's like you don't always hit. <laughs> Just throwing that out the there. Whole, everybody outside of Jacksonville and the Walker family knew that was the wrong pick. Exactly. All right. Anything else you want to wrap up with here? No, nah, I think I'm good. I think I'm good to go. It was a fun episode. All right. Well, you go and unplug for the weekend. I'm going to try to watch some college football until we'll be ready for next week. We'll come back with uh, all sorts of fun takes and a more normal week. We draft guys.